I know I've already asked that once, but I just thought I'd ask again, you know. See if you've changed any since the last time I asked. It's a little less enthusiastic. It's because y'all know that I'm getting ready to preach. It's like, great, here we go. Some of y'all need to get a nap position, you know, lean up against the other one. I tell people in jokes, somebody, somebody, countless people have come up to me and said, I'm sorry I fell asleep this morning. I'm sorry I started napping during your sermon. And, and you know, they expect me to, oh, well, you need to pay attention or what you expect that response. You know, they come kind of cowardice anyway. And some of you all have, have, have maybe mentioned that before. And, uh, you know, I usually just go and, and look with a look of love and say, well, if you need it that bad, I'm glad I can help you. you know? <laughs> and, uh, so, but, uh, but, it is, but it is it is good to see us. I pray the Spirit will keep us awake. <laughs> but uh, I think God has a lot in store for us today. But before we get to that point, uh, I want to uh, go over a couple things I forgot. Um, and if you, if you know me yet, you've noticed that I'm, I can be a little scatterbrained, especially when I'm inundated with some things going on. And so it's nothing for me to forget. You know, my, my mind is sort of a circus all the time. And sometimes a circus has caught fire and the animals are running away. It's just utter chaos up here. It's just not good. So a couple of things I forgot. Number one, um, you know, directory pictures are coming up, not this week, but the week after. Uh, and really looking forward to it. I want to thank everyone for signing up that has. Almost all of our picture slots, time slots, are filled, which is great. Um, but that means that there are some people that, uh, there are still a few open, uh, but some people haven't been able to sign up, you know, did, did, maybe didn't know about it or what have you. You know, there's just a variety of reasons. Um, so we're going to do it this way. If you would like your picture taken, uh, this today, after church, um, we are taking pictures for about three or four different families right now. If you would like to get in on that and you haven't signed up and you know you can't make the times this coming Monday or Tuesday, they're going to be in the fellowship hall, I believe, just right after church, kind of gather and congregate. If you don't find them in there, they're looking for a good wall. Joel Carver is glad, taking our picture source, but they're looking for a good, a good wall. A wall won't help some of us, but it is what it is. So if you can't find them, the guy with the camera is the guy you're looking for, just to clarify that. So, but really, after church, if you, if you would like to have your picture taken, we want you in our directory bad, and you haven't signed up yet, and you would like to take a picture this morning, please do. If you say, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not good looking enough, you came in public, you can take a picture, okay? <laughs> Let that one sink in. <laughs> All right. So anyway, please, please, if you, if, you're, if, you, if you can and you can't be there, please, we want to make this as comprehensive and as good and up-to-date as possible. Uh, the other thing I'd like to offer you is in March, um, I have signed up along with a few other people uh, to go with Johnson University, which is my, um, the school I graduated from, my alma mater. Uh, they are leading a group to Israel, and the trip with travel insurance is only $4,200 a person. If you know anything about a trip to Israel, I mean, that includes airfare, includes everything but your lunches during the days you're there. It includes your breakfast and your dinner, your hotels, everything. It includes your airfare there and back. It's all comprehensive, inclusive for $4,200. Most trips are somewhere between seven and 8000 So this is a really good trip with people who know that area well. And uh, in fact, I've been told that Mark Zeese, Dr. Mark Zeese, who's leading the trip, is one of the only people in the United States, and may be the only one from what I understand, that 
works also as a professor uh, for the University of or the University of Jerusalem or Jerusalem University, which means he can get us into places that other people can't go on tours. So if you would like to go and you'd like to make this a possibility, it's in March, and especially if you don't have a passport, you need to talk to me soon. But if you would like to go, there are spots available still. Now, students are getting priority at Johnson, so, but they say that they should have no problem accommodating people. So please, if you are considering this at, at all remotely, let me know and I can give you a brochure and more information. If you'd like to go, it's an incredible price. Going with some pretty neat people beside myself, you know. Just kidding. I will be there. And uh, David and Valida have signed up to go, and Gary and Betty Becker have signed up to go. And I've just been kind of telling people, and they said, open up to the church. We'd like to fill it up. So please, if you are interested, please let me know, and we will see what we can do to make, to make that happen for you. So that's all I've got. I've, took, I've taken time doing that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the joke because I want to make sure we give proper and ample time to the priority of God's Word. So let's do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, for bringing us here and giving us this opportunity to gather and to worship and to study, uh, Lord, in your name, for your sake, the sake of your gospel. Uh, Lord, we come to not only know you, uh, Lord, more intimately ourselves through your word, but we have also come, Father, that the world might know that as we deepen our relationship, that prayerfully, Lord, we will, as we draw closer to you, shine our light brighter in this world for you. You've told us that we're a city on a hill that, that cannot be hidden when your light is within us. So Lord, we pray that your light will be in us, that your word that gives light to our feet as we walk through this world, Lord, that, that you would use it to illuminate our life and for us to use it to help shine a light for others to see too not for our glory, but for yours. Lord, we are blessed. I want other people to be blessed too. Lord, how I've been blessed in freedom from sin, death, hell, and the grave, for eternal life, for Lord, just the, the wonderful knowledge that, that I can know you. I, Lord, I, I want people to know that. And I know these people here want that too. So help enable us, Lord, in that pursuit and in that desire open your word and to receive what it says that we might be people who not only hear your word but Lord people who also seek to live it out seek to do what it says Father just use this time to pour into us that we might pour out into others the overflow that we have received I pray all these things and Pray also for any barriers that need to be broken down. Lord, use your word and your spirit to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And together we, 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 shall, we shall read through verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. We will together read through verse 10. It's on the screen. It's also in your bulletin for you as well. This is what the scripture says. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, 
You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's chosen and special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Have you ever heard anyone say, remark, read it, seen it on TV, saw it on Facebook, you are what you eat? I promise there is a point, and, and I will make it. But, but have you seen this before? You are what you eat? Chances are, looking at this phrase, if your diet is only that of potato chips, McDonald's hamburgers, greasy fries, Frosties, candy, cake, ice cream, for every meal, though this sounds really good, let's just be honest, I want everything that's in that picture, and I want two of them, okay? Though having these things for every meal sounds really good, you and I would be very unhealthy. Be more unhealthy than what we may currently be, if you haven't seen my side profile lately. Just get it, giving you a gander there. We would be more unhealthy than what we are. Hence, you eat only unhealthy food and you will be unhealthy. You're a smart bunch, I tell you. Smart bunch. Now, on the other hand, if your diet is only that of balanced portions of the good stuff, such as fruits and vegetables, and, and every now and again a little bit of the, the not-so-good stuff mixed in with all your good proteins and such, you would be considered, if you ate like that, you would be considered healthy by most standards. So, hence, you eat healthy you would be considered healthy. Again, there's other facts that play into that sometimes that cause us to be unhealthy, but, but just on most even playing fields, you eat healthy, you will be healthy. You see, I think it's quickly, you know, we are quickly able to realize that, that we are the product of what we put into ourselves. We're the product of what we feed ourselves. We're the product of of what we consume. But this doesn't just count for our physical health, but it also counts in many different areas of life. For example, our emotional health. If we feed ourselves constant negativity, we will find ourselves to be a negative person. 
But if we feed ourselves in positive ways, we will render positive results. Even though we may spend a little bit of time around some negative people, the positivity we seek to put into ourselves will come out and outweigh any of the bad influences that seem to surround us and at times come into who we are. So, so that's emotional health. You have mental health too. You know, if we fail to stimulate our brains with some sort of new information, learning, or activity, we can very well lose our mental capacity as we age. I say this specifically because I remember my grandmother telling me one time that she went to a class on, on aging. She, I guess, came to the point, as some people do, you know, some, some of us never want to come to terms with it. I know I don't. But eventually she realized that, that there was a class being offered at one of the local community centers, and she went. It was, it was a class on how to age well. And so she went to it. And one of the things that they were talking about was how you can keep up your mental capacity as you age. And the suggestion that they gave is to do crossword puzzles every day, several times a day. If you find yourself docile not doing anything, pick up a crossword puzzle. If you're sitting there watching TV and you're watching it like most of us do, not really paying any attention, pick up a crossword puzzle. You know, if you're just, you're just sitting, just resting, pick up a crossword puzzle. My grandmother had crossword puzzles all over her house. Everywhere she sat, there was one at an end table. By her bed, there was one on the nightstand. In the kitchen, there was one at the table while she was waiting on food to be done. And in the bathroom, you know why that was there. There was one there too. In fact, there's a whole stack of them. And, uh, you know, tell where we spend a lot of time. And, and they were all over the house because she did not want to suffer from memory loss if she could help it. Because she was trying to stimulate herself, put, put something into her mind that, that would keep her alert. And, and, and work out well in the long run. In, in this case, in this example, we are the product of what we consume mentally. Now, spiritual health, because you knew that that's where it was going anyway. Spiritual health really is defined by what we are feeding ourselves, like everything else. Spiritual health is defined by what we consume and the things that we are partaking in spiritually. It's at this point to where it becomes very individual for all of us. And I need to ask us, even, even myself too, I'm not out of any of this. I get preached this first before you ever receive it. It's questions that I reckon with and it's conviction that takes place before it ever takes place with you. And so in, in my study, in my asking, I ask myself, Am I, and so I'm going to open it up to us, are, are we seeking to be fed at the Lord's table or are we dining at Satan's sin buffet? You know, if we had to say which place we frequent more, are we frequenting the Lord's table and eating from its goodness or are we gorging ourselves on the things that just leave us empty wanting to go back for more at Satan's buffet of all these sinful appetites that we can satisfy? Where do we find ourselves more if we, if we had to, to ask? But here's the wonderful thing. Despite the sin that we may consume from time to time, because here's the reality, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This, this is the reality that we, that we live in. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Do we just stop there though? Do, do we just stop there in our life? We, we sort of give in to that too much, we think, to, to try to, to go to where God is. Do, do we stop here and, and just live in this, well, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's just how it is. Or do we continue coming back to the promise that waits just on the other side of this period in verse 24 of Romans chapter 3? The promise that despite this, our human nature, we are all still yet justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Do we stop at guilt of what we partake in? Sometimes we feel more than what we should. Or do we go back to the Lord and and ask Him to, to satisfy us? despite the terrible things that we have eaten, praying that it will balance out these negative things in our life. Do we do do that? Because you see, just like if we fail to eat balanced meals, the unhealthy food begins to weigh out the good that, that we may eat from time to time. Because you know we all try to be healthy every now and again, right? We think just because we eat a salad one day for lunch that we'll be okay. But what we fail to realize is, is that salad, if you can't see it underneath all that dressing, is still unhealthy. You know, we try to make it up sometimes, don't we? I love Dolly Parton, but there's a song I wish she would take. It's right at the very end of the line, and she says, make a couple points for the life hereafter. Live to make a couple points of life for the hereafter. I love it, but I, I love that song up until that point. It's at the very end. You know, we, we, we try to act like we do all this bad sometimes, and I'm not saying she's bad, I'm just talking about the song in general, because sometimes that's our attitude. You know, we, we try to do as much good as we possibly can when we can do it and when we think about it to try to balance out all the bad stuff we've done, but what we fail to realize is that little bit of good is, is not on our own going to balance out all that bad that we have consumed. Only God and His ways can, can truly wipe all that away. When we come to Him and, and when we stay with Him. Because if we fail to add a few positive influences in our life on a regular basis at regular times that keep us coming back to the Lord, we will find ourselves to be overwhelmingly negative in the way that we live. If we don't add much mental stimulation to our day, we might find that our capacity to remember the things of God are going to start slipping and become less and less as, as the days go by. Church, if we fail to add anything to our daily spiritual lives, we will suffer from a greater consumption of sin that consumes us then we could have had less effect on our life if we had just sought to put a little bit more God in, made a greater effort to make Him a bigger part of our daily diet of living. See, the Bible tells us in both the New and the Old Testament that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 is listed there on the screen, that, that second half of the verse, and Jesus quoted this same verse word for word 
in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. In the Old and New Testament, we have this promise spoken of by Jesus Christ Himself. Again, as we saw last week, these promises that show up twice, old and new, you really need to pay extra close attention to it. They are being reaffirmed for a reason. Listen again to this verse, and as we think about our lives, man and woman, no one's excluded. It's gender neutral, that's why man is there. It's speaking to the whole of humanity. Man and woman does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But the question is, how much do we eat from the Lord's table? How often do we frequent His, His restaurant, if you will? You know, if you, if you had to say, and I had to say within our own heart and mind right now, what would we say if we asked this question? Am I starving or am I satisfied? Looking at the Word of the Lord in our life, looking at the presence of the Lord in our life, if you were to ask yourself, am I starving or am I satisfied? Where would we be? Because the Bible tells us that, that there is no middle ground. We can't be half in and half out. It's either one or the other. Jesus says, if you're lukewarm in the book of Revelation, he told that church of Laodicea, I will spit you out of my mouth. We have to choose one or the other. Where, where would we be? Are we starving or are we fully satisfied? Again, I just want to remind you that I'm asking this same question myself. And in my research this week and study, I came across a, um, a very, very, very informational set of statistics from 2018. In fact, it was called by the Barna Research Group, which is a great and wonderful resource for Christian statistics. In fact, it's the number one in our circle. Uh, that This report was called the State of American Bible Users. So we're looking at the current state of American Bible users. This is what they called it. It's people who look at the Bible, who read the Bible for various different reasons. Again, this is Americans. And this is what it says. Overall, about half, 48% is what it is. Overall, about half of all Americans are Bible users. That is, they engage with the Bible on their own by using, listening to it, watching, praying, or using the Bible text or content in any format, not including use at a church service. But this is 48% at least four times a year. Now, I want to make that statistic even more pressing in coming to home. That's all Americans. That's not just Christians. Because it says, using the content in any format. How many times have you seen somebody using the Bible on Facebook, making a jab at it? They searched the Scriptures. They Googled it. But they're not a Christian. And what, it was not in context. They used content, but it's not context. So this statistic kind of looks okay. You get to that three or four times a year, and it's like, ooh, that's, that's not good. But then when you narrow it down even more, and it's all Americans, believers and non-believers, for the purposes that we use it for, whether good or bad. And I think that probably includes greeting cards too, because you know they see them when they put them on there. they got to copy and paste them. I'm sure at one time they read a few of them. You know, think about all the times and ways and places we use Scripture. 
it, it narrows it down quite a bit. But then the study goes further, which is what I, which I was more interested in than this statistic. It goes further, and it gets more specific on people who, it doesn't say Christians, but these are people who are really searching the Scriptures for, for what it truly means and what it can mean to us. They say in this research that the Bible has remained relatively consistent, Bible use has remained relatively consistent since 2011. So we're using it in good ways and bad ways about the same since this time about, you know, nine years ago or so, eight years ago. But continuing on, it says adults who use the Bible daily only account for 14% of our population who use the Bible daily. You know, you, you could take us and, and 14%, you know, would probably be a realistic number in many ways. 14% of adults use the, the Bible daily. Going on down, it says it's followed by 13% who use it several times a week. Then 8%, and now this is of the larger 48%, so this is half of America, and we're looking at that half of America who says that they study it like that at least three or four times a year. So you've got 8% now of adults who use the Bible once a week. Then you have 6% who use it about once a month, and then 8% again who use it at least three to four times a year. Those numbers don't really look that good. Um, particularly when you come down into a focus group like a church. And I'm not saying because I don't know where you are and you don't know where I am. I, I don't know, but looking at these numbers, it, it does begin to filter in on some sort of scale for us because this is America as a whole. You know, it's sad to say that, that we as a whole of America are not as spiritually healthy as we should be. You know, but, but what hurts the worst is, is that we are not accessing every day the ever-present reminders of Scripture. God has given His Word. God gets glory just from being Himself. God is praised just by being who He is. He is perfect in every way. He does not need us. But we need His Word. He wanted to give it to us. He doesn't need us to, to continue to supply His source of holiness. He doesn't need us patting Him on the back and praising Him. He likes it because He loves us. God came for the sake of love in the form of Jesus Christ. God created us to love Him and for us to be loved by Him. This, this is who God is. And He gives us His Scripture, not because it does anything for Him, because His Word is His nature. It's His personality. It's, it's His makeup. But he knows that his makeup, his word, helps us. It blesses us. And it's sad, and I can say it in my own life, that I'm not accessing it like I should. Maybe you might feel the same way. Because the ones that it hurts is us and the world around us. A lot of people say that America changed when we took prayer out of school. I would tend to agree that the mindset shifted there, but things had already taken place before that to make that happen. You know, that was just the event that kind of showed us what was really taking place. That was the house really folding in on itself in part, but the groundwork had already started crumbling. 
and it still is. But the wonderful thing is we can regain ground by being the people that God called us to be. And when I think about what this world could be like, if, if just starting with me, I, I sought to live more for Christ every day, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain, if that was my motto and mantra, if I were to do this, and, and, and the people around and close to me would, would do the same thing, how much different would our daily lives and interactions be and our conversations be if we talk less about what was on TV the night before, whether that be a show or a game or whatever it is, to talk less about what was on TV the night before and talk more about what we read that morning during our quiet time? How much different would things be? And again, I'm, I'm just starting, I'm starting with my own life. How different would would we handle the troubles of our life that come our way that would, that would show this world that we have peace that passes all understanding? I don't know how I have it. I've just got it. Now, how different would we approach God? How, di- how much different would we approach God? I, I think, about, think about the time I've approached Him. and A bad thing comes my way and I say, Hey, God. I'm sorry I haven't talked to you lately, but I really need your help. Doesn't it bug us sometimes when I'm not saying it does me? I'm just, it's kind of a general thing that, you know, we don't hear from somebody for years and then they need something, they call us. It's like, where have you been? You know, where, where have you been? Now, circumstances of life always differ, differ and change, but, you know, where, where have you been? And it's sort of, sort of causes a little unrest in us. Where do you think you got that emotion from? How do you think God feels about it? I'm going to say we. This is a prodding and poking. I want to remind this. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm coming down on anybody. I'm putting myself right here. How do you think God feels about it when we, we come to him after a while and say, hey, I know it's been a long time, but I really need help. Like most of us, God is just so kind that he does it anyway. Praise that that opens up the door for a new opportunity. Restored fellowship and, and reunion. But, but how much differently would it be if we, we stopped approaching God in guilt for a lack of relationship and instead lived every day in the freedom that's found new every morning just by knowing Christ and making Him a priority in our life? How much differently things would be? You know, I pray this morning that this is not a depressant of where we are if we might find ourselves there, but rather I pray that this will stand as encouragement to us all, including myself, that God's Word, when accessed, remembered, and reflected upon, will provide for us the freedom from the guilt of sin, death, hell, and the grave if we access it daily. Jesus has said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. Then you will know what the truth is and the truth will set you free. Sometimes we have a hard time determining what's of God and what's of the world. Jesus has said, you abide in me and you'll know. You abide in me and you'll know. When we teach other people, they can see this for themselves. You abide in me and you'll know the difference between what's good and and what's wrong in this world? You see, we find that when we abide in the Word of the Lord, that, that we are abiding in His presence. That when we listen to the words of God, we hear Him speak and His presence becomes real to us. 
When we seek the Lord fervently, we build our daily lives and interactions upon Jesus Christ, who the Scriptures say in this passage we have read is the cornerstone. When the Word is a priority in our lives, when we do not readily reject Jesus in light of sin because it's more appealing to us, but instead we embrace the holiness that God offers, that our guilt of sin may be washed away and its chains removed from us so that we might offer spiritual sacrifices because of thankfulness for, for where we are with the Lord. We reject sin and embrace God. We, we can nothing less than just give to God praise and glory and honor. Again, these spiritual sacrifices that resonate within the heart of all who have become a dwelling place for the Lord's Spirit. See that so powerfully in verse, in verse 5. But when, when we look at spiritual sacrifices, this, was, this is what the Lord asks of us, de- desires of us, it leads that prodding question of what are these spiritual sacrifices that, that Peter speaks of. And again, in verse 5 and 6, he, he says that these things are pleasing and acceptable to God, these spiritual sacrifices. But again, it leads us to ask, what are these spiritual sacrifices that we make? Well, he says that these spiritual sacrifices are to become a holy priesthood within the temple of the Spirit. Essentially, Peter is telling us to minister to the world this gospel that we have received ourselves. Now that you have accepted it, don't wait for people to come into the church to hear the word of the Lord and the gospel. You become the church and take it out. Take God's presence, take God's spirit with you and bless somebody else. They don't need to wait to come here on Sunday morning to hear about the gospel. They need to just be around you because you become a temple. You have sacrificed yourself and your desire and your ways. That's your spiritual sacrifice. Lord, I give up the sin and I make you the priority so that when people are around us, they can go to church. They don't have to go far to know that that God loves them and not only to to know about the gospel, but to receive it and to, to begin to accept it as we share with them these words that have long lay before Peter ever penned them in the book of Isaiah. See, uh, or excuse me, I, I, I did that last week. Oh, I had it right this time, Isaiah. I get Isaiah and the Psalms mixed up in my notes here. But this is what's spoken of so long before, and this is the gospel that people accept and lay their lives upon. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen Wow, I'm, I'm really lost. I'm sorry about that. Apologize. Boy, the devil, he just, he just don't want to hear the gospel. There's a slide missing. But this is the gospel. Again, verse 6. See in the scriptures it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen, a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Despite the sin that shamed you in your life, despite the times that you have shamed yourself, despite the things that you have done, despite the things that have been happening to you, you can, in Jesus Christ, never again feel the guilt of the shame that the world tries to lay upon your shoulders. Church, there is no guilt, there is no shame in Jesus Christ. It is this Jesus that others have rejected, but yet we embrace, we accept. Though others may not consider us of value, God did. And He finds us 
precious because of Jesus. We look good when we are clothed in Him. We look good when we become like Him. Though there are those who have rejected Jesus, they are destined, their destiny is, is, is secure, and, and sin itself is, is going to be put to death in the lowest pit of hell, and Satan himself and his demons, they are destined to suffer the consequences of their sin. But yet, for us, despite all the things of this world, despite all the things that... I have really messed these slides up. Despite all the things that, that happened to us, despite the people of the world that say terrible things to us, despite the sin that we have encountered, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Despite everything that happens to us, we are more than conquerors because of Him who loved us. And that also means the trials that you have yet to go through, those things can't harm you. You have already got victory over every trial that will ever come your way if you and I lay claim to it. If we say that the, Lord, the devil is not going to get us down and the Lord is going to see us through, we will pass through. We will gain the victory. But we have to claim it. And we have to know it. And we cannot know it unless we are reminded about it. Unless we are stimulated and fed by the Word of the Lord. We will not remember that God's deliverance is already at hand because the devil has a really good way of whispering in our ear telling us that those promises aren't true. If we're not renewing ourselves in these promises, he will gain a foothold in our lives. But despite what, the, what Satan has said and what this world tells us, that we have overcome. I love what Jesus says. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's just a reality. If you come to be a Christian so that your problems will go away, I, we need to talk. I don't mean that joking. It's just the truth. Your problems are not going to escape you. They're not going to leave you. In fact, as we discussed in Sunday school this morning, they're going to be intensified. Because Satan knows that you're not with him anymore. You're with the Lord Jesus Christ and he's going to do everything he can to pull you away. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And again, because Jesus Christ has overcome, we can too. I want you to listen to these wonderful words again from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-10. through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. We have so much to be thankful for, so much to praise God for. And because of this mercy we have received from the grip of death and sin that would have us damned to the lowest hell, we are to boldly proclaim and loudly sing God's praises, much like the wonderful words of this song. I, I just love it. I love singing it. We could sing it every Sunday. I'd be happy. In Christ alone, a verse that says, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus, listen to that. Jesus commands my destiny. The Bible says that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. God is on your side. 
God is fighting for you. God has got something planned for you. The world cannot set our destiny unless we let it. If we are in Jesus Christ, He commands it. He orders it. He ordains it. If we give ourselves to Him, He has got so many things uh, planned for us that are so much better than we could ever plan for ourselves and so much better than the world could ever offer. Jesus commands our destiny. And there's no power of hell, no scheme of man that can ever pluck me from His hand. And until He returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. And this is something we have to say every day. Here in the power of Christ, I'm going to stand. We've got to get out of the bed, and the devil has to be afraid to hit our feet here the floor because he knows that we're standing on Jesus Christ that day. He knows when we're not. He can tell the difference. But we have to determine within ourselves that here today in the power of Christ, I'm going to stand until he returns or he calls me home. Church, we have no guilt from the past no guilt from our sin, and certainly no guilt from Satan himself because of Jesus. But unless we hear Jesus each day tell us this, it's going to be easy for the devil to convince us otherwise. Because his whispering in our ears might just drown out the promises of God. And if we give in to the doubts and the sin and the guilt that reminds us of, of the things that are seemingly better, the things that we did at one time, the things that we should go back to because we know them better. If, if we give into this every day, the question is, how, how can we ever minister as priests, as that royal priesthood, as he calls us in this passage, that royal priesthood, how can we ever minister to a lost and hurting world if we don't seek to make Christ the center of our, our preaching? our ministry, our interactions, encounters with people. How will the world ever know Jesus unless we know him ourselves? Seek to, to live him out. Church, may I encourage us all that, that we can have hope beyond Satan, hope beyond sin, and hope beyond the guilt that tries to hold us back and keep us captive as long as we continue to build our lives, our everyday lives, upon the living stone, Jesus Christ. For anything built upon Him and placed upon Him remains firm. Anything built upon Him remains firm. Upon this rock I shall build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it we remain firm in Jesus but the question is are we firm are we seeking to make ourselves firm are, are we regularly consuming spiritual foods or are we just another terrible stat that's going to just keep the bell curve the way it is or are we going to seek to break the norm of what it seems like it is for Americans today. Do we profess our faith? Do we only profess our faith? Do we only say, I, I am a Christian? Or do we actually possess the faith? Do we not just profess, but do we possess the faith that we talk about?
Are we living up to what we have already attained in Jesus Christ? I ask this question for us all as we pray and let the Spirit speak and move. Lord, I come to you now thanking you for all of your many wonderful blessings that come through Jesus, particularly the freedom from sin and the grace and mercy we have received because of his selfless sacrifice. Oh, how wonderful, Lord, the freedom is that we have in him. Lord, how much more of it you would like for us to accept as days go by. How much deeper you'd like to draw us if we will only let go and receive you. There's a lot of things in our life, Lord, that we have to let go of sometimes. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's the present. Maybe it's some sort of emotion that's against somebody or something. Maybe we just feel like the world is against us. Maybe we feel like even, Lord, someone we know feels like you might be against them, against us. Lord, these feelings we know are from the devil. Satan's lies again and again that that keep us from the abundant life that you've promised. These things, Lord, we know keep us from, from embracing the freedom that we have found in you. And I know I've given in to them, Lord, from time to time. Let's pray, Lord, that with your help we'll release these things. Lord, but only with your help that we might live in the freedom that we can only find in you. Lord, there's a lot of things that fight for our attention. But you're the only one who really deserves it. Lord, help us fight for you. Help us this morning to place you as a priority. To fight to put you at the, at the center of our being. Every day. Renew within us a desire, Lord, and fire to, to burn for you that the world might see the blaze and wonder what's going on within us. I just ask that you help us, Lord, with that because we are human, we are fallible, we mess up, we have fallen short of your glory, we've sinned. Lord, I confess that for myself and I confess that for all of us for that is our human condition. But Lord, help us now confess even more that your salvation is greater than our sin. Help us, Lord, to confess you. Not be held by guilt. That we could never be what we should be in you. But, Lord, to find freedom beyond even the guilt of the sin that we carry. Lord, I pray for this time of invitation that you would move and stir hearts. That you'd keep the devil far away from this occasion. That way your spirit might move freely, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 16 is very simple. Paul says, 
Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. If you have Jesus, if you have attained Him, this is what you have. Freedom from sin, death, hell, and the grave. You have hope in this life that not only is this all there is, but it will get better with God's help. And you will find a way to rejoice even in the midst of great sorrow. That you will have peace in the midst of the most terrible of storms. And that you will be able to enjoy life until the day that He calls you home. And that's the future that we have in Jesus. If you have attained Jesus Christ, you have these things and so many more. So because of what we have attained... In Jesus, let us, as Paul says, live like it. Let us seek to put Him at the center of our being, in the center of who we are. Let us as a church renew our desire and commit ourselves to Him. You don't have to come forward to do this, but in your own heart, in your own place, if Jesus is a priority you need to make, make Him here. Before you leave, make Jesus a priority. If you want to come and pray, I'd love to see this altar filled, not just because it would mean something. It's not an ego boost. It just means there's a whole people, a whole church that is confessing to Jesus, you are the most important thing in my life, and I'm sorry that you haven't been, but I'm making you that now. Help me, Lord Jesus. If this is you, come forward today. If you have Jesus and you want to make Him the greater priority in your life and He hasn't been, come, do not wait because He wants to pour out His fullness into us as long as we hold nothing back from Him. He wants to bless us if only we shall receive. If this is you, receive today. Ask God for help. Do not be prideful. Ask God for His help to make Him the priority that He needs to be. If you have not accepted Christ, if He's not even a priority in your life, if you're not even thinking about Him, you need to start thinking about Him. Because He wants to bless your life. He wants to not only forgive you of your sins, but He wants to give you abundant life. Wonderful life as you live here, and then full life, never-ending, eternal life when you leave this world. When you leave, God says, I promise you that this thing will not come to an end. I love that. I love that heaven will never stop. And it's going to stay good forever. If you do not know Jesus today, do not leave this place not knowing Him. Accept Him and be renewed in your spirit. Begin to walk and, and ask the Lord what it is you would have for me. And if it's accepting Christ, it begins by, by believing in Him and confessing Him and, and then being baptized and walking in that newness of life that He has offered. Begin that today. Accept Christ today if you have And if there's just something in your life, you're a believer, but you're just barely hanging on because of something that's in your way, because of struggle, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it might be, give it to God today. Let Him take it so that you can be more than conquerors. You've not just conquered this thing, but you're standing on top of it. Give that to the Lord today. If any of these things are you, if you feel like you need to pray, don't wait. If you're praying for somebody else, don't wait. Give it to the Lord as we stand and sing our song of invitation.